Burt Reynolds is the greatest stuntman alive, but does he have enough in the tank to do the greatest stunt ever in the biggest movie that's coming out? It's Movies for Guys Like Movies Quick Take. This time, we're taking a look at Hooper. Burt Reynolds is Hooper, and Hooper is a real hero. He can take more crashes. Oh, jeez! More fire. Ah. Hello, gorgeous. More love. More hits. He can take more risks and have more fun than anyone can imagine. This is Cooper, the story of the greatest stuntman of them all. And his competition. Wait a year and a half to meet you. How's that? I get to perform with Sonny Hooper. Oh, hell, that ain't no big deal. I mean, <laughs> Burt Reynolds. Jan Michael Vincent. Sally Field. I'm yours. Ryan Keith. James Best. Robert Klein. And Terry Bradshaw. In Hooper's world, talk is cheap. And life is cheaper. We may be in trouble. A stunt is a gag, and a gag is no laughing matter. Bam! Building falls on you, crushes your fate out the end. Great, Roger. Of course, we'll have a dozen cameras going. And when the director yells, Action! Go! 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 I want to hit it! He really means action. Cooper's in a dangerous business, but his reward is excitement, adventure, and a fortune if he lives to collect it. Burt Reynolds is Hooper, the greatest stuntman alive. I love stuntmen. Hooper, the newest movie from the team that brought you Smokey and the Bandit. You want them? We got them. Movies for guys who like movies. Coming up next, only on TBS. All right, guys, this is William Rankin from the New Blood Rising podcast. Movies for guys like movies. This is my quick take we're going into. I'm hauling ass down the road here out of work. I got about an hour and a half to get home. I thought about doing this show when I got home just proper in front of the computer with my dignified cup of coffee. But I figured, the hell with that. Let's get it going right now because I got a lot of my mind when it comes to the a hell of a flick. A really a, a movie I... When we talked about doing these, I didn't think about it initially, but if you've listened to Charlie and if you've listened to Jason do their quick takes over the past week, we've been talking a lot about fathers and sons, generational things here, so I wanted to inject one that loosely tied in. Obviously, this is not a movie that's uh, neither Charlie and I, we would both admit we don't have a movie on that's uh, on the caliber of The Descendants. Uh, that Jason took a look at, but nevertheless, Hooper is a bust-ass movie that I'm a big, big fan of. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, this is, I'm not going to harangue you here with a bunch of plot points. We're going to haul ass and get this thing in the books here. Um, I'm not really big about going into the plot on this guy, and I'll tell you why, because a Burt Reynolds' Hal Needham movie isn't so much a plot-driven thing, okay? It really isn't, and that's not a bad thing. 
the movie, for the most part, has got a pretty, it stays wonderfully shallow when it comes to its plot. It doesn't go too far. It doesn't overreach in a territory that it doesn't belong in. All right, let's talk about some background with this thing here, all right? So I will tell you, when I was a kid, uh, growing up in the early 90s, uh, by the time I was around eight or nine years old and I was watching a little bit more TV and stuff, I heard about this show called e- uh, Evening Shade. My mom and dad used to watch that show, and I was like, oh, this is all right. This was a show that showcased a new venture for Burt Reynolds heading back into television. And I was like, man, this guy's pretty funny. I didn't realize he had a hairpiece at the time. That wouldn't come for years. But I didn't realize this was an act two for this guy, or act three if you count him being an athlete at Florida State, being on the verge of the NFL. I didn't realize there was a previous act where this guy was one of the biggest stars in Hollywood for a long period of time. You fast forward a few years, my late teens and early 20s, I really started diving into more Burt Reynolds, and it was a combination of seeing movies like Deliverance, saw movies like White Thunder and Gator, but it really wasn't until I saw Smokey and the Bandit from 1977 that I was like, holy shit, this guy is amazing. There is something about him that's just so cool, and I think everybody listening to the show, their dad would say the same thing, Burt Reynolds was a mainstay, if you could get Burt Reynolds in a car, just like you can get Jason Statham in a car now, it was box office money, we're talking Burt Reynolds probably had one of the best runs you could ever ask, ask to have in Hollywood, Burt Reynolds for probably a good 10 plus years was one of the highest drawing God damn, this guy needs a haul ass. Get out of my damn way. It's a damn hybrid. Yeah, I'm doing a podcast. What do you want? All right, let's continue on here. So, um, when I saw Smokey and the Bandit, I'm going to tell you, it really blew me away. And it blew me away not just because of Burt Reynolds, but also the combination of Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham. Let's segue into that now because that's how it's going to get us to Hooper. Smokey and the Bandit was a movie that cost less than $10 million, which... You know, let's, we can all look at him. You can go get your calculators and look at inflation or whatever, but it was less than $10 million back in the day. That movie grossed over $300 million. $300 million. I'd say it was somewhat profitable. It was so profitable, in fact, that if a little movie called Star Wars didn't come out in 77, you'd, we would be talking about the highest grossing movie of that year. It was huge. And just like all things in Hollywood, when something blows up like this, we need more from the star and or the director as as much as we can get. So moving on from uh, Smokey and the Bandit, these guys almost, I'd say it wasn't long after at all because Hooper's 1978 movie, move right into this movie that is, when you look at it, Hooper is a love story for, it's a love story about I, from the perspective of Hal Needham for the Hollywood stuntman, because Hal Needham, the director and writer, came up through Hollywood as a stuntman himself. Back in the day when that was, it's not to say it's not a big deal now, but it was more romanticized back then. Those guys that did those types of stunt work were revered, even though most of us, we didn't know their damn names. And that was the idea. The idea was these guys were invisible. They made A-list stars look good. And you see a lot of that in Hooper here. So with Hooper, to kind of just kind of get down into the basic plot of this movie, Burt Reynolds is um, Sonny Hooper, greatest stuntman alive. 
he is now involved. He is being, or he is the stuntman for Adam West, who's credited as, as Adam West in the movie, of all people. Adam West playing uh, basically James Bond in a movie that's very much parody off of James Bond, the spy who laughed at danger. It's perfect. It's brilliant. And Sonny, Sonny Hooper is going to be his stunt double. So that's kind of your A plot. It's him trying to navigate through this flick. Now, in the kind of conflicts and the obstacles in the way of this, Sonny Hooper is kind of getting to the end of his run. He's had a hell of a run. Probably by this point, over 10 years of a run of being the top man in his business. And you see in the opening, the opening credits, it's, it's him getting wrapped up. Like it's really him getting ready for battle. And that's important because it kind of shows how this is a guy who's breaking down. And even after you see like his first stunt in the movie, which is a badass motorbike sliding perfectly underneath a, um, a semi, you see him getting, he takes Percocets, he takes shots of painkillers, like he's in a bad way. But the thing about Hooper is, all the while trying to cruise through this movie, he hides it. You know, he may say his back hurts, but he laughs, he's got a smile on his face, he's still having a good time. So that's where we're seeing kind of the Hooper character um, on the surface. He's, he's, uh, he's a part of the biggest movie going on right at the moment. Now let's also, while we're talking about that, let's kind of dive into a little bit more on the B-plot side, which has to do with Sonny Hooper's health, his, his domestic life, his life moving on from being a stuntman, because that's kind of the resistance here. We see early on that the J. Michael Vincent character who plays Ski, like we were talking about, he is the new guy on the street, right? So we talk about Burt Reynolds is not too not too keen on this guy stepping into his territory. But the whole thing is Burt Reynolds learns to kind of embrace it. It's interesting because kind of the cliche with this type of thing is when you have the mentor-protege subplot in the movie, Almost inevitably, they got to face off against one another, right? There's got to be this big act three climax. It doesn't happen here. I mean, granted, like there's some hijinks early on, but Burt Reynolds in the end knows he needs this guy to be able to get through this movie. That's what's important about it. So that's where it becomes kind of this generational thing. Now to kind of really tie it in is the fact that the um, Jocko, who is Sally Field's father in this movie, Sally Field playing Burt Reynolds' girlfriend, as we talked about, he is in the same. He was in the same position Hooper was 20 years back when Hooper was that kid that was looking over, that was looking over his shoulder, checking him out, like idolizing him, wanting to be him, and everything. And there's a lot of good discussion about sort of that that transition, that transition from being the top guy to a guy that's, you know, kind of riding off into the sunset here. So, the the kind of the secondary element to that subplot is the Sally Field character because. By this point, Sally Field was definitely branching out in Hollywood. Like she was really showcasing herself. Like this lady was one of the premier actresses of her time, and the Oscars were about to show for it as well. Um, Sally Field's character is so she's she's so wonderful in this movie because in a lot of these flicks, like she would be very very over the top, resisting Sonny Hooper continuing his wild ways. She's not crazy about it, but she's not 100% obdurate against it. She's not trying to stop him, at least not for most of that flick. And it's great because you just see her hanging out with Burt Reynolds, and it's a it's a good old time. It really brings you back to what you loved about Smokey and the Bandit. 
And to be honest, Burt Reynolds and Sally Field's chemistry is amazing. It's up there with, I'd say, uh, I mean, for another one for me is when you look at uh, Steve McQueen and Ally McGraw on The Getaway. You could just tell these two people were crazy about each other. And that's really the sense you really get from Burt Reynolds and Sally Field in this. Pretty much any of the flicks they ever did together, you could just see there was just uh, an undeniable chemistry between them. So, you've got... You've got the Sally Field character who's, you know, again, pretty resistant towards what's going on with Bert, but at the same time, you know, not trying to overly pressure him and everything. Because Bert Reynolds hasn't committed really to getting married to her, so there's some tension there. There is some with that. Alright, so let's take a step back. As this movie kind of progresses, what's fun about it is in that typical Burt Reynolds Hal Needham fashion, there is a ton of having fun. And what I mean by that is Burt Reynolds will go through, do a stunt. It takes all of like five minutes, it seems like. And then it's time to wrap. And when it's time to wrap, that means you get in a Jeep, you ride backwards down the highway going 55, doing donut holes, passing beer off among moving vehicles from window to window. You go to the bar. You get in a bar fight with Terry Bradshaw and his group of uh, SWAT guys, it sounds like, that are in town for a convention. You trash the bar. You get thrown out of the bar. Then you shake hands with them. That's what's so cool. There's no grudge. Let's continue hanging out. No shit. I'm serious. Even with Sally Field there, she understands it's time to keep hanging out. And what do you do when you've gotten kicked out of the bar? You take the bar back to the house. That's exactly what they do. And it becomes probably the most interesting scene in the movie. Because you've got Burt Reynolds with this whole group of people. They're all passed out. Everybody is passed out in his house except for him, J. Michael Vincent, and Jocko, like we said, but Sally Field's father. They're all, those three left are watching Burt Reynolds' stunt reel. It's silence, and it's beautiful because, again, you're watching Burt Reynolds kind of live. He's living through this reel. Like, I can't let this go. In the back of his mind, he knows it's coming. And it's coming in the form of the guy right beside him. And that's what's interesting from that point on, how he slowly starts to embrace it. Now, of course, the big tension of the movie becomes with doing the biggest movie in Hollywood. The biggest stunt of all time is about to go down with um, with this uh, this car that's going to ramp up. It's going to do this amazing leap. and It's it's a cool-looking stunt. The way they execute it in the movie, it looks pretty damn cool. But it's a health risk for Hooper. And it's whether or not he's willing to take that big risk. Because you hear him say, along with Jocko, they don't turn stunts down. They never have. And they never will. And that's important because he's, he's going to risk the life and limb to go out and do it. All right. So now let's take a step back. Now let's shift gears. Let's talk about themes and motifs. Because um, one of the big themes of this movie is the letting go. It's the moving on. And the reason why I want to kind of come back to that here is we are a professional wrestling podcast on the A-side. That's what we're doing. You know, like right now we're looking through the invasion, but we've looked through a ton of wrestling. All three of us have watched hours upon hours of wrestling, just like most of you. Tune in Monday nights. Tuned in on Monday nights back in the day. Watched everything. Still watching everything on the WWE Network. We've seen it all, all of us. There isn't much wrestling left for us to see, but we live through watching the same the same stuff over and over and over again because we want to hold on to that glory. All right, 
Now, let's talk about how that applies to Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds is not unlike Ric Flair, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels. These guys who we've watched and at some point throughout all their years have done the most incredible things imaginable in the squared circle. But everybody breaks down. Everybody reaches a certain point where they have to hang it up. Some of those guys we listed, some, we got one of them in particular that may still be going. We don't know what's up with The Undertaker. But with guys like Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, they held on. They held on for a long time. Maybe Michaels not as much as the others, but if you look at a guy like Flair, let's talk about Flair and Hogan. These are two guys who you know when you see them out there. It bleeds from their eyes. They love when they look out at the crowd because they can feel it. They can feel the energy. And they're instantly transported back to the Greensboro Coliseum, to the Pontiac Silverdome, to Madison Square Garden. God, yeah, that's right, we're going to Massachusetts. To Madison Square Garden, to the Omni. That's where these guys go. There's something about it that's alluring, the thrill of the danger and the moment and the entertainment that doesn't leave them. That's the same with Hooper. That's what Hooper is so scared of letting go you know, what is, what, are, what is life for these guys after it's done? What is life for a stuntman when it's over with? There's, not a, there's no commentary you can go do like you can in wrestling or in sports when you're done. Where does he go? The only place he can go. And that is be with Sally Field. Get married. Have a child. Be, continue the generational story. That's what's fascinating here. Um... When I kind of, you know, when I kind of reassess and I kind of look at all these Burt Reynolds movies as a whole, these Hal Needham movies, as a director, and I, I, I say it as a, like, like I've done a lot of shit in my time. I've directed short films, sure. What I admire most about these types of flicks are they're shot very minimalistic, in a minimalistic kind of way, you know, like there are a lot of times where there's not a lot of cutting. We go in there, we got a wide shot, a three shot, a two shot. And we just let the actors go. And we punch in maybe halfway to three quarters through the scene for a little bit to get a good a little get a little back and forth. But then we're moving on. And that's what's really cool because nowadays, and I'm not gonna go too much more into this technical side of things because this isn't alluring to everybody, I know. When you look at uh, editing nowadays, it's all about what kind of goofy ass filters or plugins and all that other bullshit you can put on the screen. It's all about that extra stuff, but when it comes down to it, no matter how fast you're cutting or all the extra gimmick bullshit you're putting on the screen to kind of make it look a little cooler, there's something to just letting things play out. And that's what's really, really cool about Hal Needham. I guarantee you he is not going to be listed in the overwhelming majority of, of film buffs, top five or even top ten directors of all time. But there was something special to his types of flicks, especially these ones in the beginning. When you get to the ones kind of in the 80s, like, you know, Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham would team up, team up for Stroker A's, for Cannonball Run 2, Smoking the Bandit 2, and these movies, for the most part, they still had a lot of the fun in them, but they they didn't carry as much, they don't, they don't hold up as well as Smoking the Bandit or as, um, or as Hooper. So, that's one thing I, I just want to kind of touch upon, it's like, Hal Needham's an underrated director. He won an honorary Oscar, thankfully, like maybe a year before his death. 
and it was so cool to see him up there because he got a pretty damn good ovation at the Oscars. Granted, I think I think he actually technically got the award the night before the Oscars where, you know, they hand out the, the billion and one kind of technical Oscars that nobody really knows about, but it was really cool because that was a salute to a man that made movies in, a, in an age that is kind of gone now, and that is the Hollywood stuntman. I want to talk about another interesting kind of theme real quick throughout the movie as I'm kind of talking about some of these technical things, kind of moving to more of a general thing here again is this movie is about the stuntman versus the Hollywood machine in a lot of ways because you see throughout any of the, the movie within the movie shots that the director, Robert Klein, playing kind of a takeoff on Peter Bogdanovich is kind of a snooty type of pretentious dude that doesn't have his, he doesn't have the level of respect that we as the audience have for the stuntman. He will quickly shout out boring or, you know, some type of, he, he, he won't really give much direction. He just tells him to figure it out and things of that way. So, you know, it's interesting to watch that. You see how, you see the Adam West character, the, the A-lister who's wanting to learn how to do stunts and Burt Reynolds jokes, I'll teach you how to do, or um, I'll tell you what, I won't, I won't do any acting if you don't do any stunts, which is funny just because uh, um, Adam West, it, Adam West, it's not a lot that he has to chew on here, but he kind of plays a wonderful kind of parody of the A-list actor. And and it's great because you'll see him like do like a half movement, then they cut, and then have Burt Reynolds do all the hard, heavy lifting, and then cut back to Adam West doing kind of the end wrap of the scene, like getting out of the car, you know, brushing off all the broken glass that didn't really break on him, things like that. So, um... That's about all I'm going to get into. I'll be honest. I'm not going to dig too much deep. deep. I don't want to go too deep into this because I want you guys to go see this flick. I think you should really go check it out. Now, um, to kind of wrap up on the business side, we talked about how uh, Smoking the Bandit did 300 mil. Amazing number, right? Hooper didn't do quite as well, but it was still a very successful movie. The budget on Hooper is probably around $17 million, and it did about $77 million at the box office, so, so still a very profitable movie. Um, the thing I want you to really take away from it is Burt Reynolds is actually a very, very good actor. Not all the time, granted. I know, like, unfortunately, a lot of times Burt Reynolds, and this kind of became, it's kind of became the knack of the late 90s and most of the 2000s was him basically taking any and every you know, straight to video, low budget piece of shit movie you can. If you've seen him in, in the name of the king, he looks like he's on another planet. He doesn't even look like he's in the same movie as the other actors. So it is what it is. But when you watch him in movies like Boogie Nights, it's not surprising that this guy could do good work because when you watch movies like Hooper and you watch movies like Smokey and the Bandit, granted the stunts are amazing. Burt Reynolds in a car laughing, having a good time, foiling all these all these cops and all these authority figures is wonderful. Wait until the movie slows down. Wait until the comedy just kind of goes to the side for a moment and watch how brilliant he can be with subtlety. It's really, really amazing. So that's where I want to leave you with it. Burt Reynolds, a hidden gem really amongst Hollywood actors. That's where we're going to leave it. But here's a little food for thought. By the time the mid-80s came around, the two biggest box office draws were Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds. They got together to do a movie where they play cop slash private eye in the 1930s. It sounds brilliant, doesn't it? It's a little movie called City Heat. It's awful. It is one of the biggest bags of shit in the world. And it's actually a movie where 
ironically enough, as we're talking about a movie about the greatest stuntman alive, a stunt went wrong in a really set Burt Reynolds back many, many years. His health got really fucked up because of it. So anyway, I'm hauling ass down I-26. I'm getting ready to get back on 385, get back to Simpsonville. Um, I want you guys to continue to give us, uh, send us the feedback, man. I, we want to hear what you guys think of these quick takes. Not just that, we still have a, we're still big on the wrestling. It is the A side. It is our bread and butter for this podcast, and we got a hell of a lot of water to get through in this uh, 2001 and 2002 land. We're getting through the invasion. We're almost at the very end. Coming up on Sunday is going to be no way. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, no mercy. Damn it. I've done that multiple times. It's No Mercy 2001. And one more pay-per-view until the finale of the invasion. <sighs> Man, we got a hell of a double main event there. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Um, the, the movies for guys like movies, that's going to be our, our round table. All three of us, me, Jason, Charlie, we're going to be back in the mix. We're going to be talking Fright Night. That's right. We're going to be going Fright Night, the original one. We're going to be talking that for the next movies for guys like movies. So, once again, we're on Twitter, New Blood Pod. That's where we're at. Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. Gmail, New Blood Rising Pod at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Let's talk movies. Let's talk the wrestling that's going on. If you want to talk about a movie we've already done or one we haven't done, go for it, please. If you want to talk about what's going on with the invasion, chime on in because I know at some point even though the buy rates were pretty low for a couple of these pay-per-views a lot of people came back to see how that invasion was gonna uh, was gonna finish itself up so we'd love to hear what people's thoughts were on that so without further ado I will leave you guys we'll catch you guys next time where it's me it will be Jason Kiesler it will be Charlie Stabile and across the ocean live from the old world himself it'll be Martin Dixon who's at Bunny Suicida on the Twitter. We'll catch you guys later. I said, baby, you've been looking for-